0: You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on, here we go.
1: What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle, alongside Robert Cessna, veteran legendary AM reporter. Uh we're reporting on a Mississippi State road game this week as ANM travels out to Starkville uh, to face Mike Leach and the Air Raid offense. See, so let's uh since this is your first time on this podcast uh, in a while. A&M so far this year. How, how I know you've graded them each game. What what is what does it look like to you uh, in uh, okay, let's we'll, yeah, we'll start over. Sorry. That's okay. All right. In 3 Two, one what's going on everyone this is the my Aggie Nation podcast I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle alongside Robert Cessna veteran Am reporter uh, from the Eagle as well uh see since this is your first time on the podcast here in, in a while let's look at Am up until this point heading into this Mississippi State road trip this weekend what have you seen from the Aggies what have you liked and what what have you not liked? Well, you know, it's kind of funny as Travis, when you started to ask that question, I'm thinking, you know, I kind
2: of thought they might be three and one, but not by losing to Appalachian State, because I thought Arkansas might be the team that they would lose to again, because Arkansas starts uh, 21 out of 22 upperclassmen. I thought AM's offense would, would be so much better with the line, with the chain, with the new rec- receivers, with Haynes King. So you think about how things have changed so much in four games. Uh, Haynes King's not the quarterback. Mac John- M- Max Johnson's the quarterback. Now this team's got to move forward without Anaya Smith. Uh, the defense by far is, is the strength of the team. So you talk about some transition in four games uh, – they're 3-1, they're and one, which I thought they probably would be, but not, you know, ranked 17th in the country uh, I, I, on the outside looking in so much of the college football playoff. I don't think they're going to get back there, but I think this is a huge game. If they can beat Mississippi State and get the 4-1, and one, they'll move up again. They'll get into the top 15 going into Alabama, and, and so... And I didn't think they would be, I didn't think their their youth would hurt them as much as it has. Uh, they definitely are young. that young talent makes a lot of mistakes. We saw last week nine penalties. and I know changing quarterbacks. So I think, you know, as a rider, it's very been a roller coaster ride. I think if you're a fan, at times are frustrated, at sometimes they're very happy. I talked to a lot of people already since the Arkansas game. They're happy, but they were very mad the two previous weeks before that.
1: Yeah, I know when we were doing your grades uh, for this last game uh, at Arkansas, you gave coaching a little bit of a bump on the grade because of the decision to go to Max Johnson compared to what Haynes King was able to do in the first two games. Uh, what is it about Max Johnson's game that you like so much that not, not only you give a bump to the offense, but you give a bump to the coaching for making that decision as well?
2: He just doesn't make mistakes. I know it's only been two games, but you look, he's kind of like who he, he is. If you go back and look at his history, he's going to be sacked three times a game because he doesn't throw the ball. Away. He's not careless with the ball. He's going to throw about 250 you know, yards high and low. Uh, And you can tell he just gets the job done. And I also uh, give him a bump because I like what Durkin did last time with rushing three most of the game. And I'm sitting up there like all uh, quarterback, uh, you know, quarterback coaches, so to speak in the press box saying, why are they rushing three? They're going to get killed. And they did get killed in those first two drives but it proved to be the, the thing that beat Arkansas in the long run. So I gotta give Durkin a big plug. And, and so I, I just didn't think A&M would struggle. I thought this talent would play better, but I keep forgetting they're 18- and 19-year-old kids. You still got to coach them. The good news for a big m with all upswing with all those kids if they can continue to coach them
1: and coach them better. I know uh- – Max Johnson was joking with us a couple of weeks ago, talking about how it's just a rumor that he couldn't run. Uh, he he has run the ball well when they needed him to. I, as Brad Johnson, his dad, uh, told me last week, he runs a four six forty, can 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 dunk a basketball. Is is a good athlete. Um, I, his running ability seemed was was seemingly was the thing that separated him from Haynes King. But I don't necessarily sense. A drop off there in that ability to tuck the ball and run, if that is what the play dictates.
2: You know, what's kind of funny is I look at him as actually more mobile than Kellen Maughan. And I always felt Kellen Maughan could have been a much better runner, but I think he was trying to stay in the pocket so much he overcompensated. I always thought at times he looked like a robot. I don't think so far in two games Max Johnson looks like a robot. I think sometimes Saturday he looked like he was running for his life, and he did quite well. And if you remember right, going back to his LSU uh, year, that, that was a pretty bad offensive line. He had a run and escape. He was able to will that team to 6-6. Six and six. So I, I think you know he, he he is a product of the people around him. I think he elevates the people around him, and that's all you want a quarterback to do. I think Mon did that successfully. They had a lot of upperclassmen around. The difference with Johnson is he has all, too many youngsters, mm-hmm. and think he's going to. You think if you're uh, Max Johnson right now, you're losing Aniah Smith. I, I I bet Aniah Smith was a great security blanket with him. Just when they went into the huddle, now when he goes in the huddle.
1: He's got his center, maybe Max Wright, but that's just about it. And if you go back to the LSU days, there wasn't a whole lot of quarterback depth behind him towards the end of the season last year, so they weren't going to do a lot of design runs and let him get out and let him get injured and not not uh, not have anybody to to back him up. You mentioned a good point there. Anaya Smith is out for the remainder of the season with a broken uh, a fractured lower leg. Uh, we'll we'll need surgery to repair that. Uh, y- you started to touch on it. It's a very young receiving core, and he was about the only veteran leader out there that that had significant playing time. What do you expect from these wide receivers heading into this Mississippi State game? In, in a game that A&M could need points to 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 stay in it, I'm re- I'm real concerned about that, like like a fan would be as well,
2: because I don't know where they're going to get those catches. Everybody says, "Well, Evan Stewart," I'm waiting to see. I really believe a lot of games they gave extra attention to Nia Smith. They probably covered him with a corner and a safety. I'm not an X and O's guy. But now they can put that attention somewhere else, whether that's more putting an extra guy in the box and try to pressure Johnson, put an extra guy in the box to try to drop a chain. So I was very pleasantly pleased with Donovan Green. He got three catches for 50 yards. am has got more um, linebackers. Than I have, I mean, more tight ends than I have daughters. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> and, and so maybe they're going to start using two or three of those for blocking. And if Green can, can catch like six passes a game as a tight end, then you might be able to make up. Because if they don't make up for Anaya Smith, that seven and five or eight and four could
1: be in play again. Right, and that's been the the hallmark of Jimbo's offenses since he got here is the security blanket, the possession receiver that. Anaya Smith has kind of had to take over a little bit this year, has always been the tight end, if it's Jay Sternberger or Jalen Weidermeyer uh, in his seasons here. And they haven't really had that kind of production yet, save for this this Arkansas game uh, with, with Donovan Green. That would be a, a good place to... See more of that that production as well, and probably the guy that that has the, the two guys that have lined up behind Anais and some of his wide receiving posi- uh, positions is Yule Keith Brown and Moose Muhammad. Moose Muhammad got significantly more playing time last week, but. Didn't really make the most of it. He had in that one drive in the span of about three plays, had the, the post route where he was wide open. If he would have kept running, he probably would have got under it, but he chose to jump and, and, and missed it and then had the block on the back penalty that set them back. They ultimately uh, were able to get a field goal out of that drive, but uh, was a drive that easily could have had points if if some of those plays uh, uh, stood. So it will be interesting to see how they, how they set that up. I think the biggest storyline to think about here is – uh, Mike Leach's air raid offense against DJ Durkin. Uh, they went with the three man front against a physical running heavy Arkansas team. Uh, Use that linebacker to spy the quarterback. It's probably going to be a three man front th- front again, but with a much different look as they try to stop uh, that, that passing. What, what Durkin has success against Mississippi state. What are you kind of expecting from AM's defense here?
2: Yeah. I'd be running really nice to look because he beat him twice. I went back and look, He allowed uh, Rodgers to throw a lot of balls, a lot of completions. They didn't really have a lot of turnovers, but once again, they they held uh, Mississippi State's points down. It's all about points, which Elko, you go back and look, that's what Elko is about. He let a lot of teams get between the 30s and 20s, but he didn't give up a lot of points. And uh, Durkin, to me, I thought Mississippi State, I mean, uh, the Arkansas State game was huge. You get Miles Jones back. They're so deep in the secondary. Yeah, they gave up 440 yards, but I didn't think the offense did enough of their part. They did more But I think this team could get to the points where the defense could be the bell cow. If the defense can hold everybody between 21 and 25 points or less, then you got a chance to win every game, maybe even Alabama. I'll be interested to see these next two weeks what the defense can do on the road because you got to take your defense on the road. And uh, Durkin, I thought Durkin was a great hire. I think he proved that last Saturday Uh, when you think about, yeah, the defense made that one play and you could say it was luck. But they frustrated, uh, you know, KJ Jefferson a few times, and I think they frustrated the Arkansas defense. So can they offense? So can they do the same thing against Mississippi State?
1: Well, that brings up a good point too, in the fact that the defense has basically been the bell cow of A and M success the last three seasons for most of the time that Jimbo Fisher's been in land, They hired Jimbo Fisher as an offensive guru, the quarterback whisperer, and yet it doesn't seem like, say for that 2020 season, but even at times, you look at the LSU game that 2020 uh, season, I think it was the LSU game, they had some games where the offense just sputtered. Um, A lot of talk about Jimbo Fisher, should he bring an offensive coordinator? Is his system antiquated? What have you seen from Jimbo Fisher's offense this year? Do you think it's just a matter of Building up some inexperienced guys and getting them fully integrated into the system, or do you think it's something that seriously needs to be looked at in a system type change or or an offensive coordinator? Play different play caller.
2: I gotta laugh when people talk about that because I feel Jimbo Fisher and Mike Leach are, are two alike. They're they're offensive gurus. They believe they can call the best plays. I don't think they're gonna give it up, come hell or high water. Uh, when you think about when LSU won their national championship, you go back, Jimbo called a very conservative game. They won it with, with defense when, when Saban had it. That's when Saban was much more defensive-oriented. I think Jimbo looks to get the running game going always when things get tough. Lean on a defense, ball control. Will he open it up a little bit? I think it all depends on how uh, Max Johnson progresses. Say what you, he's only been in Jimbo's system on the field two games. I think Max Johnson does really good because what did Max? We we talked to Max Wright the other day and he goes, Hey, this offense is very, very complex. He didn't use the word complex, but I don't care what you're doing. If you're the third string tight end, it's complex. You got to know it. You just can't go right out there and play. So I think Max Johnson is going to continue to get better. As 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 the year goes on, and of course you get better if you're winning. That's why I think this is the big game because everybody feels well they're going to lose to Alabama. I thought they're going to lose to 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 Arkansas. They win. Now they're going to make a lot more progress. Now his offense and what you touched on. I think the youngsters got to pick more things up. I think if Max Johnson is 10% more comfortable with Jimbo.
1: This week that might translate to seven more points in the second segment here. We'll hear from Stefan uh, Kreisnick of the Clarion ledger who covers Mississippi state. And we closed out that segment with him talking about his favorite Mike Leach moment. He said that he he thinks Mike Leach enjoys the fact that he doesn't think a whole lot of A&M fans like him. I think he made me mistaken. I think a whole lot of A&M fans really like him as long as A&M isn't playing his team. You've covered him for a long time back into the big 12 days and stuff like that. And what is your favorite or some of your favorite Mike Leach moments? Uh, Cause everybody enjoys hearing uh, what the pirate has to say about football and life and anything else.
2: Mike Leach is just, just one of the, one of those great guys that uh, why you get into business, he's a high school coach and some of his mannerisms and he's very accessible. Even in this time when coaches are, are so under pressure to like Jimbo Fisher lives probably in the bright complex, you're going to talk, you're going to hear about Mike Leach. Who knows? I always tell a couple stories. Uh, we went up to cover one of the tech games and at that time. Uh, Rich Croom was our beat writer and, with me and we go in and we're have to stay in the same hotel. The tech's putting up their team. Okay, so we're checking in. Here comes Mike Leach and the uh, Red Raider team to check in. It's Friday before the game. And he, he's got his director of ops with him. And uh, I, I met Leach a few times before. I said, hey, coach, you know, and he goes, hey, they're checking in. And his op goes, uh, you know, those guys are the reporters for the for the Eagle. He goes, oh, yeah. So Leach sits down, talks to us. You know, that was the time when Dennis Franchoni had his newsletter ask him questions. He talked, yeah, he goes, I'll tell you how, what happened about that. I know how that happens. People walk up to you and go, hey, hey, what about this? And you go, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that looks good. I got more things to do, you know, da, da, da. And he, you know, and he's just so enjoyable. He's there cracking jokes. You think it's like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock Friday. And how many coaches, before playing, quote, a big game the next day, would be sitting there telling jokes, laughing with two opposing riders? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's just who he is. And I've had other reporters tell me the same kind of deals. Mike Foreman at Victoria. Almost every reporter that's interviewed Mike Leach has a Mike Leach story because he's just a comic character. I mean, he's just – he's who he is. He's funny. He enjoys life. And, uh, you know, that that's my number one. And believe it or not, he almost came here one time. He might have been Brian High's offensive coordinator – if they'd have hired Hal mummy because he came here when Hal mummy interviewed for the job and he was out at Broadcrest Country Club and that's like <laughs> maybe like the first time I might have met Mike leach but Mike leach is just he's he's a character and uh you know at, at the media days you get to talk to him once in a while and of course chip Howard who we know is, chip Howard is is really a good friend actually with with Mike leach which is how many re, how many coaches can say they have good good friends with riders, if you recall, not even covered them. Remember, Chip Howard lives here. He's never lived in Pullman or whatever, but Mike Leach is a character.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, that's all the time we have for this segment. We are going to go uh, behind the enemy lines next uh, segment and hear a little bit about what Mississippi State has leading into uh, this game on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back with that after this. What's going on, everyone? We're live here in the Eagle newsroom. I'm Travis Brown with Eagle alongside Robert Cessna and our special guest, uh, Stefan Kreisnick from the Clarion Ledger. He covers Mississippi State and he will give us a little bit of perspective on what's going on over there in Starkville. What's, uh, Stefan, thanks for joining us. What uh, What's going on uh, in, in your neck of the woods?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh nice to catch up again and uh obviously always a, a fun matchup when, when AM and Mississippi State are squaring off, especially when Mike Leach is involved. So <laughs> um it's it's been busy, you know. It's uh it's that point in the football season where basketball is actually kind of creeping up on you and it's all about the to really get going after um, you know, a pretty slow off season with Mississippi State baseball struggling. You know, it was a longer summer than I expected. So I'm excited to to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. Sure
1: thing. And of course Robert says that before, you know. Mentioned that that we, we might be covering a basketball game this weekend with how Mississippi State usually scores points. Let's get into the way we start all these videos. And that is what is the main storylines, talking points, keys uh, that Mississippi State has, has undergone so far this season and what you're looking for heading into this game this week?
0: Yeah, the number one storyline with this team has been the experience, right? Like you see so many teams, especially with the transfer portal now you know, almost rebuilding every year, you know, trying to get something new going. It's Mississippi State's kind of done it the old-fashioned way in the sense of they got a lot of players back from last season. I mean, AM fans are going to see players that they probably recognize from the 2020 team, let alone, you know, last year's team. So that's been the number one storyline is that this team, the expectations for this team have been, all right, we got everyone back. Is this coaching staff going to make every player take that step forward to get where this program thinks they can be this year? That, that's been the number one thing, number one thing I should say. And then, Um, Coming into this matchup specifically, it it feels like a huge storyline is the Mississippi State offensive line because um, it's a unit that really hasn't been tested uh, too much this season besides that LSU game. And they didn't look particularly strong in that game. Uh, On top of which, you know, their left tackle, Dollar Bill Johnson, goes down in that game against Bowling Green. Um, You know, no update yet on his status for this upcoming matchup. Um, you know, and that's obviously a huge thing. You know, replacing Charles Cross left tackle is huge for Mississippi State in that pass and that passing offense protecting Will Rogers' blind side. Um, if it's a unit that's struggling and shorthanded uh, against a defense like a and and then you look ahead at Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, the teams ahead on this schedule, um, a, a lot will be determined this season by how this offensive line plays, and that's the number one thing that I won't be watching uh, against the Aggies here.
2: Steph, I'm I'm interested in the matchup, obviously, of – of the of the off of their offense, watch some of the LSU game, and they looked so good in the first half, and then right. they struggled to score. And I know Bowling Green they bounced back, but that's not a Power Five conference team. What about what what, what problems do you feel that they had, the offense had against LSU, and how do you see those rectified against a And M possibly?
0: Yeah, I, I think going back to it, the number one thing was that offensive line. I mean, Will Rogers had no time to throw. LSU was loaded in the box, which is weird because, you know, typically we're seeing teams drop eight against Mississippi yeah. State, right? And and I think LSU saw, hey, if, if we have a chance to get, you know, to Will Rogers quick enough, it doesn't matter how many, you know, defensive backs we got back there, we'll be all right. You know, they, they can cover them for long enough if you're getting pressure on them. Um, so I think when the offense has been struggling, that that's been that's been the key. Um and and we saw a bit in that bowling green game you know mississippi state tried to combat that with some more uh quick screens because even the running game w- which has been better this year at least through those first couple games against memphis and arizona the running game was actually pretty good and then against lsu the running game you know got shut down a bit as the game went on um so if you're not having a running game to combat um you know the, the defensive line coming at you quick there and overloading the box um you got to get the screen passes going or something to get the ball out of will Rogers' hands quick uh, and against Bowling Green, that opened things up later to take some explosive plays and, and take some shots. Um, but but that'll be the number one thing is if if Mississippi State, um, if I should say if Texas A and M is getting pressure on Mississippi State, um, is is Mike Leach gonna be the one to to quickly look at those screens and get the ball into hands of players like Tulu Griffin and let them make plays uh, and try to take advantage of maybe some over aggression that A and M brings. So-
1: Go ahead. Oh, I, I know. Early in in Mike Leach's tenure at, at Mississippi State, there was a little bit of shuffling, not necessarily set on one quarterback and trying to figure that out. But over the last little bit, Will Rogers has separated himself as the guy. What was it about his game that developed and progressed that that made him the guy? And and how has he settled in not only to this offense but being one of the uh, best statistical uh, quarterbacks in in the SEC this year?
0: Yeah, I think he's just done a really good job um of of understanding, you know, Mike Leach's offense. Like he's putting up, you know, people call him a system quarterback at times, and you know, that that depends on your opinion. I mean, there's there's reasons that he's not, you know, as highly touted of an NFL prospect as maybe some other guys, but I think he goes beyond just being a system quarterback here. Um, but but what he's done really well is is learn this offense. I mean, he's making checks at the line that he wasn't making his, you know, freshman and sophomore year just because he he's learned it, through this experience, through watching film, through that, like really what it takes uh, for the air raid specifically to click. You know, he he's not, he, he doesn't get annoyed with those, you know, check downs and screen passes because he knows those are the plays that in the air raid open up the more explosive plays. He's really patient. Um, you know, his coming out party really, at least on a national level, really felt like that game in AM last year. I think you guys would agree from watching that. I mean, that was one of his better games just in terms of how he managed that environment, how he managed going up against that caliber of a defense. Um, and and he saw an A&M, you know, try to mix it up. You know, Jimbo tried to mix it up with the man coverages versus the the drop eights and, you know, trying to throw different things. And and every time Jimbo tried to do a man, Will Rogers saw it and Makai Polk was his guy to, to go to when it came to that. So that was kind of one of those games where you were like, okay, he's starting to understand, you know, what it means to play at the SEC level while running this offense. And I think it's really kind of, you know, built uh, since that game for him. And and I think, you know, at this point, Leach is really comfortable with with calling in a play. And if we'll see something different at, a line, at the line, letting Will change it. So I think there's just a comfort level, you know, from that experience that that's really built, um, you know, into him having the the type of season that he's had so far. I mean, leading the nation in passing touchdowns.
2: Funny you should mention that, because I remember that game last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it sticks in my mind, 46 of like 59, uh, A&M couldn't get pressure to him and if i remember right going in that game there were some questions about Mississippi state's wide receivers that they were having drops didn't have drops got rid of the ball quickly you mentioned about the offensive line maybe being a little bit down this year or maybe don't know about the last game how much better are the are the receivers than they were do you feel than last year
0: yeah i, I think the receiving core is better than it was last year i think it's deeper you know leach at a at the bare minimum likes to have eight guys, you know, two that play each of those four wide receiver spots. And and then he'd like to have, you know, ninth 10th that can step in there. And he's kind of had a, a bit of that this season, but the the eight baseline guys that they have, they're very comfortable with. Um, they, they have had some issues with drops this year. Um, guys like Rod Thomas have, have had those issues. Caleb Duckin is a guy who's, who's kind of stepped into Makai Polk's role and done a pretty good job of it. He's, I mean, w- when you see him, he's got the frame to be a really good wide receiver um, it's just a matter of, you know, doing it consistently. And he's got, I think, five or six touchdowns this year. So he, he's he's starting to mesh, but he struggled in the LSU game. You know, that's his first time really playing in an environment like that, too. So there, there's some young guys, you know, in that core who are learning. But, um, you know, against Bowling Green, Tulu Griffin is the guy that, that's the most dynamic player on this offense. He's kind of one of those outside receiver spots. And and he's been, you know, dividing a lot of, a lot of reps with Ra-Ra Thomas at that spot. Um, and I think against Bowling Green, you know, they were kind of like, listen, like, Ra-Ra's good but he's a bit inconsistent and we're really trying to get this offense humming. And And Tulu is a guy that in the return game has shown so much explosiveness that you, he almost reminds me of Cordell, Cordell Patterson in the sense of just get him the ball somehow and, and he'll make something happen. Right. And I think they did that a bit with with screen passes and quick passes to him against Bowling Green and it limited the snaps that Robert Thomas had. But I think that that's kind of just acknowledging that, hey, you know, we got a guy here that can really be a game changer. So that that's the guy you know, in that receiving core this year, and especially in, in this weekend's matchup where, where AM you know better have him circled because State's going to go to him if they can.
2: You know, uh, I expect this to be somewhat a game maybe in the 20s because A&M's defense is so good, and what yeah. I could tell, Mississippi State's defense is not that bad. So it's going to be interesting to see these offenses who can get it. But th- that being said, Stefan, I think this game could get down to special teams, and sometimes that's an Achilles heel for, for Mike Leach, where do you feel the special teams are this year?
0: Yeah, I think uh, the game against Bowling Green, he said it was probably the best special teams game that he's had while he's been at State. I mean, the the kicking troubles are well-documented, right? Like even uh, – I, I can't remember what the kickers did against AM because I think State was mostly scoring touchdowns uh, when they were getting opportunities. Um, but everyone knows that Arkansas game where Leach, you know, came to the postgame presser and called for an open tryout at kicker immediately after. So the, the kicking struggles – kind of carried into this year they missed they got a couple transfers in uh, a guy from coastal carolina and a guy from northern colorado and uh massimo biscardi the guy from coastal carolina missed uh two extra points to start that game at arizona and uh, for, for whatever reason he's just really struggled to extra points in his career more so than he struggled with field goals which is just odd and uh leach made the switch and brought in raybon Bon. Uh, And then Raybon misses an extra point at LSU and everyone's like, all right, or maybe Mississippi State's just cursed when it comes to kickers. Um, But then Raybon's made every kick since then he made a 53 yarder uh, against uh, Bowling green this past weekend. So it appears that they're pretty comfortable with him. And and in the the kickoff game, he's been pretty good in terms of just kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone to eliminate a return game. Um, What's really been interesting is is the, the punting this year. I mean, the punting for Mississippi state has been really good. I think, um, half of their punts or somewhere close to that have, you know, pin teams inside the 20. Uh, they had a guy uh, they brought in George Georgeopolis, which is a great college football name from UMass um, to punt alongside Archer traffic. They have two punters that, that kind of take turns and they're both really good. Um, so, like you said, it, in games like this, I, I think the spread when I saw it was three points for Mississippi State. It's probably fluctuated since then. But, you know, as you get to the stretch of SEC play where a lot of these games have been close and I think this weekend's game is going to be close. Uh, field position and punting matters a lot, and, and I think that's one place where Mississippi State feels pretty confident in what they have. So I'm I'm really interested. You know, it's we we watch these games and and we you know we talk about Mike Leach's offense and and the Texas A&M defense and, and vice versa and all the all these components. And I'm like, maybe the punting could be pretty fun to watch this weekend. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think the thing that most people around here in Texas really want to know about is the the, the Mike Leach isms. What's your favorite uh, Mike Leach story so far, either from your your time on the beat or or, or this season?
0: Yeah, I will say my uh, my first year on the beat last year, I was doing a story about Mike Leach's uh, time while he was in law school. Um, you know, over at Pepperdine and um you know like it is with leech so many times it was a late night you know interview like he'll he'll call you when he's ready and it's probably like 10 11 p.m and the phone call went about like three hours and you know we probably talked about law school for 30 minutes (laughs) and and he we we just went on a tangent you know my family's from serbia originally so you know been to been to europe a lot of times visiting family and kind of the the surrounding countries and whatnot and he's a guy that loves to travel he's a huge history guy so we i mean we talked about um you know all the places that he's been to, all the random things that he's done for, for so long. So that, that's definitely my favorite story. Um, probably not as funny as maybe some other ones. He gave some wedding advice again a couple of weeks ago to, um, you know, the third string quarterback, Chance Lover-titch, uh, got engaged after that Memphis game. And Leach was like, well, um, you made him, you know, I've come around too late because you're already engaged now. But the number one thing is make sure you elope uh, and, and get the wedding done, get it out of the way if you're going to do it. Um, you know, do it during the bye week when, when you're not doing anything. So that that was definitely the the highlight. But he he doesn't he doesn't shy away specifically when it comes to AM. He doesn't shy away from trash talking and, and you know bringing up some of his success that he had at Texas Tech and obviously last year's win. And he talks about how much he loves uh, Kyle Field. And you know he says he likes the a And M fans and and them not liking him is probably a, a good measure for the success you know he's had. So. Um, he, he's not afraid to trash talk when, when it comes to this team.
2: Hey, what about Stephan? I never, never thought about it. Most of the times, I think, when a has gone over there, it's been a day game like it is now. I, Thankfully, not 11 a.m. Is it more, does Mississippi State feel it's more of a, a, home, a home field advantage for them to have an afternoon game or are they a night game? I don't even know if a had a night game over there in the time they've been in.
0: Yeah, I mean, Leach, Leach doesn't like playing day games. I mean, he's a guy that likes to sleep in and, and, you know, stay up late. So he would prefer a night game. So it's weird, you know, it's weird, but you know, I'm interested to see what the environment looks like. The the three o'clock kick is that that's probably a good one. They'll probably get a good turnout. Um, Stake out the 11 a.m. Game against Arkansas next week. So they're not, you know, not too thrilled about that. They were hoping to have a little bit of a later environment for that. Um, But, but overall, and and I'm interested actually to get your guys' thoughts. I know you you talk about, you know, the day games, but overall, A&M, it seems like since they've come to the SEC, Mississippi State, for whatever reason, has been a bit of an Achilles heel. I think that the series is split since yes. A&M yes. joined. It's five and five. I mean, yes. is there a sense like in college Station at all that's like, for some reason, they just can't get it going against Mississippi State? Because there's teams like LSU and and even Ole Miss sometimes and, and Bama and, and Auburn, when they're having good years, they're kind of counting on, on beating Mississippi State. And I'm, and I'm curious with, with A&M, you know, with the expectations that they have, is it you know, is, is there some
2: pressure on Jimbo to, to pull this one out? Well, there's always pressure, Stefan. but you hit on it. A&M fans hate that they do poorly against both Mississippi schools because, as you right. mentioned, they're 5-5, five and five, and I think they've lost uh, three, three of the last six or whatever with Ole Miss. I mean, Ole Miss as well. So, A&M hates the Mississippi schools because they own Arkansas, 10 of 11. Of course, everybody does not do that well against Alabama. Uh, you know, in, in Auburn uh, – no one has to worry about Auburn anymore the way what, what they're doing. So it's really the Mississippi schools that
1: irritate a lot of A&M fans. Uh, the- Mississippi State has always done a really good job defensively against AM's offense, and there's been other factors in that as well. If you go back to 2016, AM comes into Mississippi State ranked number four in the first college football playoff poll, and Trevor Knight mm-hmm. gets hurt, uh, and, and they have to go to the backup quarterback, Jake Hubneck, and they can't really move the ball under uh, with, with him at, at quarterback, and, and things kind of uh, peter out there. But Mississippi State's defensive front has always caused havoc against a ms offensive line in the past, you know, 2017, they had all those offensive line struggles uh, through the season. So I, I think it's just that a and or Mississippi State's defense has pretty much always had AM's number uh, on offense in, in in those games.
2: They've had those NFL players. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the defensive backs, the, the, you know, the line. Then you throw in now. Leach comes in. He's got the quarterback. You know what what Rodgers can do, and like I said, A and M. Shea Patterson's a bad name around here. They. Take the red shot off him against Mississippi. Just something about the Mississippi and the Mississippi State schools drive A&M crazy. And of course, they get Mississippi at home this year. They lost to Mississippi last year. So it's one of those deals. If they can beat the two Mississippi schools this year, they're probably going to have a good season. It's yeah. hard to say that, you know, like you said, you think, well, now Arkansas's in the rearview mirror again you beat the two Mississippi schools and you, you think you don't have to worry about Auburn. So that gets back what you said, Stephen, this is why this is a one or two point game. It's a big game for AM and it's a big game for Mississippi state too.
0: Yeah, no. It, and, and I'll follow up on that. I mean, for Mississippi state, you know, a lot of the fans had the expectations of, you know, an eight and four type of season and this stretch right here, where they're home against AM, home against Arkansas and then at Kentucky um, before you got to play, play Alabama. I mean, if you go two and one in that stretch, um, you look at Auburn and and East Tennessee State in November. You kind of pencil those in as wins. At, at this point, you're looking at seven wins probably going into the Egg Bowl. And Leach is 0 and 2 in the Egg Bowl, and hmm. and and that's a huge game. And like if you get to eight wins with an Egg Bowl win, um, suddenly people are looking at Mike Leach's tenure at Mississippi State as a really successful one. You go seven and five again, or even six and six with a loss in the Egg Bowl. Uh, people are going to start getting a little bit uneasy because of that, you know, the overall record is going to be below 500 for him still because of that four and seven season in 2020. So this, I think it, it sets up and, you know, you don't want to say it's a must win just because it's so early in the year, but for both of these teams, I mean, for A&M with, with their expectations of at least being in a new year, six and Mississippi state with their expectations of hoping to get to eight wins. I mean, it's about as big of a game for both teams because, because you look down the road and, I mean, both these, both these teams still have to face, you know, Alabama. Both these teams still have the, the heart of SEC play uh, left to go. And, and it's early, but but it's a big one this weekend.
1: And that 0-2 in the Egg Bowl is extra glaring for this matchup too because Texas A&M now has a defensive coordinator DJ Durkin who was over there at yep. Ole Miss uh, for, for, for those games and were able to uh, stop that air raid uh offense of Mike Leach. Let's close it out with this. Uh are your kind of keys to the game, your, your your points of emphasis that you think Mississippi State needs to accomplish if they're gonna win this this bout.
0: Yeah number one is is you you hit it right there with DJ Durkin and, and the battle of the trenches, um particularly with Mississippi State's offensive line versus AM's defensive line. Uh Sam Williams and that Ole Miss uh crew for for Durkin last year put a lot of pressure on on Will Rogers and, and Will Rogers talked about that the other day and was like yeah, I know what DJ Durkin brings, and he's probably going to bring some heat again. Um, so that, that's the number one thing. Uh, number two, I, I think is special teams. You know, a, a muff punt or something here or there could wind up deciding the game. A missed field goal could be huge. A made field goal down the stretch could be huge. Um, so I would say state's offensive line versus A and M's defensive line, and then the the special teams factor I think are the the two most important things. You could probably add in there too, uh, Mississippi State's receivers against A uh, and M's defensive backs, just because of. You know how deep and and fresh uh, that receiver group can be with with the substitutions that they have? How does you know a try to match that and, and get some fresh uh, bodies on the field? because against Bowling Green, you know for whatever reason, Leach ran uh, a bit more up tempo. so that that's another interesting component is how will those defensive backs you know
1: hang in there uh, against a deep you know wide receiver group for Mississippi state? well, let uh, let the people know how they can uh, find you on social media and where they can find your work uh, to help preview this uh, matchup this weekend.
0: Yeah, follow all our work at uh, ledger dot com. Uh, my buddy Nick Suss covers Ole Miss for us too. So you know when that matchup comes around, uh, uh dot If you guys are looking to read about A uh, and M's opponents, and on Twitter it's at uh, skrajisnik three
1: great well thanks so much for giving us uh, a few minutes of, of your time to help us preview this game this weekend be sure to check out his stuff and also be sure to check out uh, the eagle.com and the eagle as we continue to uh, prepare for Texas A&M's trip to Mississippi State uh, for those of you watching on the video thanks so much for watching if you're listening to the Miami Nation podcast we appreciate you listening and we'll uh, talk to you next week it seems like every day everything just has a way No way to must have scenes but if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good love ain't needs a girl, we know that's true. But if we wanna keep it, we gotta watch everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. I wanna make sure my baby, make sure he's sticking with me. So I wanna make sure that we we'll be all that we can be. All...